Hey everybody, this is Jackson. Um, while recording this episode, we lost about 10 minutes of footage right at the very beginning of our recording session, which means that the beginning of this episode, we're pretty much just going to jump right into talking about the movie. Um, so sorry about that, but um, th there's just nothing we can do about it. So um, anyway, my name's Jackson McMurray. Oh, and I'm Adeline McMurray, and this is No Nerds Allowed. Do, 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 do. This is the intro. I'm recording a new one because we lost the old one. And when, yeah, anyway. So enjoy the rest of the podcast, I guess. Somebody gave me those chocolate coins and I didn't want them, so they just kind of uh -huh. sat there. I would eat them, yeah. but now they're two years old. <laughs> well, why don't you throw them away? They've gone, but this is your room. You've you've been you've been occupying that room more often than I have in the last. This is your year. room. There's so many Rubik's cubes in it. <laughs> There's one. There's two. How are there? Well, one of them's not a Rubik's cube. One of them's a Rubik's puzzle machine. It's it's a Rubik's. It's a Rubik's Cube. Call it Rubik's Revolutions or something. <laughs> like a Matrix movie. Yeah. Rubik's Reloaded. <laughs> anyway, um, Rubik's Cube Chapter 3 Parabellum. <laughs> is that what the third Matrix movie is called? <laughs> no, that's what the third John Wick movie is oh, called. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, what the heck does that mean? I'm trying to think of other good adjectives to put after Rubik's Cube. Anyway, what were you saying about making a Detective Pikachu movie? Um, yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to cut this all together. No, we'll see. it's fine. Um, the <laughs> just uncut. We'll leave it in silence yeah. at all. Um, Behind the scenes. <laughs> but yeah, so just the decision to, like, take... Because Detective Pikachu is really the first, like, narrative forward Pokemon game that's ever really happened, as far as I know. I mean, besides, like, Mystery Dungeon. Yeah, I guess Mystery Dungeon would be pretty good. But it's still... I'm trying to think of a way to describe what I'm saying. It's like... Detective Pikachu... I mean, I haven't played it myself, but from what, I, what I've gathered is that it's a game that is fully about a story. Like, the game is not sold on its mechanics or its gameplay or whatever. It's sold on this fun story that you get to take part in, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and something like Mystery Dungeon is uh, not quite that much story forward. It's still about the gameplay and about, you know, the mechanics of it and the RPG elements and all those things. Um, and Which I, are I just think it's. Hell, by the way. Exactly, yeah. No, I have. <laughs> We'll get to that later when we get to the Pokemon battle segment. Right, but cool. um, the uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just it's interesting that I wonder if they were waiting to make this Pokemon movie until they had a source material they could effectively borrow from, um, or if it just so happened that they decided to move forward with this and that was already happening. And I don't know. Like the timeline on this is so weird because it happened so quickly after that game came to be yeah that's true detective pikachu is a super new game and yeah and i mean i think it came out in japan 
a little earlier than it did in the U.S. Oh, yeah, but it definitely Still, did. though. Yeah, but, like, I have to wonder if, like, it was, like, a Jurassic Park situation where they were making the Detective Pikachu game and people were like, can we just see what you're doing so we can start making a movie of it, like, at the same time? <laughs> or oh, if yeah. they were, like, they saw it and they were like, okay, great, yeah, sure, let's do that. Let's just move forward and go as fast as we can, you know? Mm-hmm. That being said... I fucking love Detective Pikachu. (laughs) (laughs) Just as an idea? Just as an entire idea. Just like, here's Pikachu. He's wearing a Sherlock Holmes hat. He's going to solve a mystery, and we're just going to let it happen. (laughs) Like, that's so good. (laughs) Starting at the... Oh, go ahead. It's just like, if you were like, here's Professor Lane, a good video game that everybody loves. But instead right. of Professor Lane, it's just a Pikachu wearing a hat. <laughs> like, that's so right, yeah. good. By the way, did you know that the first couple Professor Layton games are out on iOS right now? Oh. Yeah, it's super cool. I got it a little while ago, um, and they're super fun games, and I like them a lot. Cool. This Sorry, is secondary irrelevant. thing. <laughs> this is my first secondary thing. And then I'll have a secondary, secondary thing later. Professor Layton on iOS. Wow, 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 Buy it wow, now. wow. What a good goof. The, uh, can you stop being sarcastic at me every time I say something that's not that funny? <laughs> <laughs> not, Sorry, I need to yes and you Not everything is a gut more. buster. <laughs> Get that dumb... <laughs> Adeline? Yeah? Not every word out of my mouth is going to bring down the house, okay? okay? And I need you to accept that. I'm you don't sorry. need to pretend like it did, but don't make fun of me every time. <laughs> I, okay. just, I just thought you needed to know. I was just shooting straight, kids. Um, so right at the beginning of the movie, I just want to make note that, like, I love this trope in movies where, like, you have this, like, friend that shows up at the intro who you never see ever ever again after the events of the plot start to move forward which sucks because jack was like a super likable character i liked him a lot was that his name jack yeah it was jack and tim i just know him as the guy from the t-mobile commercial i also or was that what commercial was he doing um anyway i'm glad he has a career now because he was really funny in those t-mobile commercials Uh, hold on, let me look it. up his name so I can give him proper credit. Karen Sonny is his name. Hi, Karen. Yeah. Oh, and he's also the same guy. He's the guy in Deadpool. Why did I not make that connection that that was that oh, same yeah, person? Oh, yeah, of course he is. Man, he for, some reason, <laughs> for some reason, when I see this guy in Deadpool, I don't think of that T-Mobile commercial. But when I see him in Detective Pikachu, I think of that T-Mobile commercial. <laughs> Are you sure it was T-Mobile? So, I don't know, whatever it is. He was in a commercial... He was, I think it was him and Thomas Middleditch. Is that right? I don't Hold know. Hold on. Karen Sonny. I'm going to pull up this guy's whole IMDb. Commercial. It was AT&T. Uh. Uh, hold on. He was, okay, hold on, hold on. I'm trying to remember what the actual joke of those commercials were, because I don't remember it other than that they were very funny. Mostly, I just want to see if it was Thomas Middleditch or if I'm just imagining that. It was not Thomas Middleditch. It's some other unknown white actor. Okay, cool. <laughs> Whatever. This is stupid. Um, <laughs> the, So, yeah, it's just like, I don't know. I love beginning of the story, friends, that yeah, you never that see again. Never see see also don't get to become Power, Power Rangers. Rangers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I like. <laughs> can we just have, like, our 
in-joke trope for that character be the guys who jack off the cow? God. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> Funny story? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> but the, uh, so, like, moving forward, like, we're introduced to Tim, who's, like, this guy, and I don't know, I think it's just kind of funny, the inherent idea that he's this guy who lives in the Pokemon world, and he's an, sure, it's appraiser. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's a pretty good, well, that's a pretty Smith's, good joke. Smith's, Smith's, Justice's, whole, there's no good way to say his name, Justice Smith's performance in this movie <laughs> It's just, like, a really good, like, subtle performance. Like, he seems so much like a real person. Like, the way, like, he's, like, right. awkward and stutters, like, doesn't want to talk to people. And, like, the way that he does react to, like, people talking to him is really, really good and really naturalistic. Right. Um, speaking of which, uh, remember when <laughs> he finds out that his dad is dead and he, like, picks up the phone and then hangs up and he's like, I have to go. There's been an accident. And then you, like, hard cut to him getting slobbered on by a big, goofy Pokemon, that's like, true, ten seconds true. later. Yeah, what <laughs> was up with that Lickitung, and why did it belong to anybody? <laughs> it's just, like, that was such, like, the weirdest, like, cinematic whiplash I've ever experienced, where it's, like, you go from this goofy gag where he's, like, catching this Cubone that's, like, crying, and it's, like, this funny joke, and then he's, like, oh, my dad just died. And then you cut right back to something stupid and goofy again, like, right <laughs> afterwards. Yeah. Yeah, why did that Lickitung belong to anybody? Was that just like a feral dog riding the subway? Just yeah, just this wild Lickitung that somebody let loose on the subway. Um Also, does, I also Okay, when you get licked by a Lickitung, don't you get paralyzed? Um I believe that was the that was the case in the anime. Um ah. But this is a whole new world. The rules are all different I here. I thought that was Kanan, but I guess it is not Kanan. Well, I don't know. He doesn't move a whole lot after he gets licked. Yeah, well, yes, he does, because he starts watching TV and sees the most photoshopped <laughs> to hell Pokemon bot battle I've ever seen in my life. Right, and that's another weird trope of, like, when you're on a plane or a train to a new place and you get shown this mandatory informational video about the place you're about to be. Which has never like, happened has that, ever. Has that ever happened to you in real life? That's so funny to me. Well, but I'm, um, I, I made fun of the Pokemon battle because it looks just like fried to hell and it just like looks so computer animated. But then right. you have these like old like news shots of like the guy who's like, you know, he's the villain the second that you see him. <laughs> right. But for, it's <laughs> old guy make bad dude. But, like, it's, like, this, like, old, like, news interview that, like, has, like, just the right, like, weird orange background to be, like, on a 70s thing and, like, the camera, like, graphics aren't good. Like, that looked great. And then he went to, like, the new Pokemon battle and it looked like hot garbage. Right. The, uh, as you say, there's, like, this little blink and you'll miss it gag in this where they're, like, since the beginning of time, because they're just giving you exposition on the entire Pokemon universe in this weird expositional video. Um... But they're like, since the dawn of time, Pokemon and people have interacted. And they show you these little bits of, like, cave drawings of people throwing yeah. Pokeballs at Pokemon, which I think is so good. No, what's really like, good is the hieroglyphics. Yeah, <laughs> like exactly. The, the hieroglyphics are really funny. Um, I love that gag. I think that's so funny. Yeah. Um, and I also just want to point out super briefly, because, like, right as he's coming into Rhyme City, the uh, the soundtrack to this movie is a Henry Jackman score. Yeah. And I think it's so great. Like, that song that plays when they're just getting into uh, Rhyme City is this weird, like, ethereal song in 7-8 time that has, like, this really strong melody to it. 
that I think is so cool and it's like is such a perfect like capturing yeah. of the tone. does a really good job of not just being Pokemon music. Like, it, yeah, it, like, no, totally. Well, like, I feel like, I, I talk about this a little bit later in that scene where we meet Lucy and everything in the world is, like, blue and red and all that stuff. But, like, they do mm. such a good job of, like, styling the world in such a way that, like, it's bright and colorful it, it, but still, like, feels real and looks real so that the Pokemon yeah. can, like, really fit in and not stick out. Like, and right. I feel like the music is definitely a part of that. Like it's, it's not, it's not Pokemon music, but it's still good music that works with Pokemon. Right. Okay, but so speaking of the visual style of this movie, um, I'm gonna just kind of jump around a little bit when I talk about this because there's not really a good place to do it because it just sort of pertains to the whole movie. Yeah. But like, this movie is so much prettier than it has any right to be. It's a very whenever, pretty movie. Whenever they're trying to be. But then, like, whenever you're, like, outside during the day or, like, out in the woods or whatever, it's just, like, the most boring, ugly, washed-out gray, like, so, like, flat and not colorful. Like, the whole parade sequence at the end is just so, like, lacking in color, you know? Yeah. And it's just, like, I don't I don't understand how that sort of, like, visual flair, like, didn't translate yeah. to the you whole have, movie you, have you giant know balloons of pokemon and you're not gonna do anything cool visually yeah and they're like exploding and there's purple gas everywhere but everything still looks like gray White. and dreary yeah. somehow um yeah it's just like and i don't know and you know all these scenes where it's like taking place at night and everything's got this like cyberpunk blade runner aesthetic with all yeah. these neon lights and it's so cool like it looks so great and then, like when they when it's daytime, it's just like uh, so, it's the sun. Yeah, uh, the lighting in this know. one is the sun. What's it like when the sun? It looks like the sun. Yeah. I don't know. It's <laughs> yeah. the sun. Um, that being said, I really, I think this, they this movie does that thing that a lot of movies try to do, where it's like, oh, this character really likes this type of media, and so this type of media like affects the like movie or like the story or like the visuals. It's, like, kind of like what uh, Baby Driver does with, like, the movies and the songs and stuff. But right. it's when they do the... They use the old detective movies as kind of, like, <laughs> foreshadowing the kind of, like, plot points in this movie. But they don't do right. it... I really like that they do it, but I feel like they don't do it enough. I mean, they do it with Lucy a lot because she's, like, the, the, she's like the reporter femme fatale character. Right. And that's what they're setting up. And they set it up really well when you meet her and when she says the stupid, ridiculous things that she says. Yeah. And then they, like, well, and... meet later at the diner and she, like, sits in the other booth and, like, stuff like that. But then, like, <laughs> right. after those, like, first, like, few goofs, they kind of, like, drop all of those tropes. And I wish right. that they hadn't done that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, it's trying to, like, call reference, especially with, like, like I was saying, like, that whole, like, cyberpunk Blade Runner aesthetic, it wants to be this, like, noir detective movie, yeah. you know? That's what it's trying to evoke images of, like, yeah. in all these things that it's doing. 
except when it just doesn't. Like, yeah, except when it doesn't <laughs> want to anymore. Yeah, exactly. It's like a half to two thirds of this movie are like really meticulously planned and really carefully produced, and then the rest of them are just like fucking. Uh, they run around and they jump on some stuff, and there's some more Pokemon. Like uh, whatever. Like yeah. you know. Gives a shit. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I don't know. And I almost... Because it's not like I can even say, like, oh, the last third or whatever. It's just, like, peppered throughout. So yeah, I almost wonder really if they just, bits. like, got tired of working on it at a certain point And all the stuff that had to happen later in production, they were just like, yeah, I don't know. Just run around and we'll film it. And We've got $5 left in the budget. <laughs> it'll do this weird Inception thing where there's, like, the ground's popping up at you i don't know we'll figure it out later okay that was Uh, super cool though (laughs) yeah it was fun but um so yeah i'm trying to so okay the next thing i have written down is just growlith are my favorite i thought the growlith looked really cute in this movie (laughs) but um yeah so so like one of my problems with this movie which is not a huge problem but like they have, like, a certain number of Pokemon that they clearly, like, modeled and are, like, in the movie, you know? Yeah. And then you just kind of see those Pokemon over and over again, you know? Yeah. Like, not that I think that's a horrible thing, but, like, if it were up to me, you would constantly be seeing... Excuse me, I'm burping all of a sudden. <clears throat> I'm drinking a La Croix right now, so... What the hell is wrong with you? Making me gassy. Um, the, uh... Like, if it were up to me, you would be seeing new Pokemon, like, constantly throughout the movie. Yeah. Like, every scene you'd be being introduced to something new, something you're seeing for the first time, and you'd be like, oh, that's so tight, there's a Sneasel in this shot. But it's like, there's so many of these grand opening shots and so many of these, like, crowded cityscapes where you're seeing so many Pokemon at a time, and especially if you're someone like me who, like, knows Pokemon and is looking for them because you want to see these, like, updated designs of things. Yeah. You, like, make note of every Pokemon as you see it. And it becomes super obvious when they stop showing you new Pokemon, like, halfway through the movie, you know? I mean, this is just the same conundrum with the new Pokemon game, though. It's the problem of that there are just so many Pokemon. And, like, <laughs> right. I, I understand wanting to see the updated versions and wanting to have your favorite Pokemon in the movie. And, like, I totally got, get that. I was, like, for a Swampert the whole time. But, like, it's just... <laughs> It's just, you, you, you just can't do it. And I don't blame them for not doing right. it. There's so many goddamn Pokemon. Right. But it's like, I don't even necessarily want there to be more Pokemon. I just wanted them to be more conscientious about when they deploy them. You know? Yeah. Like, it becomes, like, if you had, like, the same number of Pokemon, there are probably, like, 40 or 50 Pokemon that you see in this movie. Um, and, I mean, just like I said, you see all of them in, like, the first third of the movie. And you... You're, you recognize them every time. So if you just took that same number of Pokemon and just peppered them evenly throughout when you see them for the first time, oh, I see what then you're it would saying. have been that much more satisfying. It's like every scene, there's like two or three rather than like front loading it and being like, oh, there's like a dozen Pokemon in this shot that are so cool. And then you just don't get any more for the rest of the, the movie. But those shots are so you know? cool, though, <laughs> where you like are like <laughs> yeah. seeing the whole cityscape and there's just so many Pokemon. I don't know. I feel like because. They, the Pokemon that they did use, they used very effectively. Like, they knew right. these Pokemon super well and, like, knew where to put them and who to put them with and what they should be doing. That even mm-hmm. when you see them multiple times, that they're, like, doing they're doing cool and great stuff. So I don't care yeah. if I see them again, you know? <laughs> right. The, uh, I was like, going to say, Machamp I noticed... Like, directing... Or Machamp is, like, directing Machamp. traffic. That's great. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but the, um... 
Uh, and I noticed, I think there were some design changes between when the first trailer dropped and when the movie actually came out. Mm-hmm. Because I really distinctly remember Charizard having fur in that first trailer. And me being like, that sucks. Charizard should not have fur. I don't know why they did that. Um, and then it didn't in the final product. Um, let me just confirm that for myself. I don't remember that. So you you go to Google. You talk to Google. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like it was hairy, but it just, it looked like it had, like, some, like, down on it, you know? Yeah. Oh, you know what? It's just a weird soft focus that makes it look like it kind of has fur. Because <laughs> cool. it's a computer-generated image. Cool, so never mind. Right? Whatever. Maybe I'll just cut that whole part out yeah, of it. Yeah, maybe. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, the Pokemon designs in this movie are so, 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 so good. But then there are, like, there's just, like, one or two that, like, just, like, miss the mark. Like, so many Pokemon, like, work so well and look so good and, like, fit into the world in a really, like, natural way. And then you have, like, Gengar, who just, like, doesn't look like Gengar. Nah, Gengar's no good. Gengar doesn't look like Gengar. Gengar doesn't look like anything. Yeah, I hated Jigglypuff. I hated Gengar. Um, Charizard turned out okay. Charizard looked really good. I like Charizard. Um, I'm still not sold on... Psyduck. Yeah, Psyduck. I, I was trying to put my hands on why, I did, why Psyduck didn't look so good. And I think it's just because that's just what Psyduck looks like. <laughs> and maybe right, Psyduck yeah. doesn't look that great. <laughs> <laughs> it's fair enough. Um, I'm just trying to see. Sorry, just a second. Because, like, um, it's not yeah. a bad Psyduck. I mean, like, that's what Psyduck looks like. <laughs> right. The, uh... So, uh, the next scene that I have something written down about is just the, like, the moment where, what's his name, Tim? Yep. When Tim is, like, at his dad's apartment and the girl, whose name I also don't remember, what's the girl's name? Lucy. Uh, Lucy comes out and she's doing her whole, like, hard-boiled noir detective lines and she's like, and I get the hard scoop at any cost because I'm all about justice and blah 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 and like she's doing this whole like hard-boiled reporter shtick yeah but it just super doesn't work it's super like i don't know i just don't think she's a really young actress yeah and i literally i just don't think she has the chops to pull off a gag like that yet literally what i wrote down and i feel mean about saying it but like lucy's a good character she needs a better actress like it's yeah i think so too like the rest of it the rest of her character, she pulls off really well, but it's, like, this kind of scene, which is, like, really key to her character. Yeah. And she just, like, can't do it. It's bad. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, and the, uh, and, and it's just, basically, it's just, like, any scene where she has to be, like, fast-talking and, like, have a certain momentum to the scene and, like, act through. Like, she just can't quite pull it off. And, yeah. like, I don't think that she's not a talented actress. She's... One of the main girls in Blockers, which I love more than anything in the world. Yeah, you love um, Blockers, yes. <laughs> I do. Um, and she's great in that, you know? Like, she's a talented yeah. actress. I just think something about, you know, and especially now that I've had some experience in, like, actually producing movies, it's like there's so many things that can go into a shitty performance in a movie. Yeah. Well, and it like, might just be that she's not... I haven't seen Blockers, but I'm assuming in Blockers she's just playing a teenage girl, right? Right, yeah. Even if it's even if she's acting very well and the teenage girl is very obviously not her, but like then to go to Lucy who is very much like a character, like it's not mm-hmm. it, there's more to it. She need, there's more like stuff behind it than just like being a teenage girl, you know? 
Right. Yeah. And yeah, I guess, I guess that there's something to that, but I don't know. I think my point was just more that like, you know, different actors work better with different directors oh, and also. sometimes Most and it's also a wildly different set environment <laughs> between yeah. those two kinds of movies. So I don't know. It's just a lot of different things. I, I, my point is, is that like, I think she really falls flat in this movie, but I don't want to just trash on her as, yeah, it's not her fault. as a performer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Catherine Newton is her name. Uh. Um, but, um, and that scene has got some, like, really whack editing in it, too. Did you it, notice that at all? It does. Yeah, something about that scene just was not good. Yeah, something just wasn't coming together on Someone that day when working. they were filming. Like, there are so many... There's this moment where they're, like, talking to each other, and it's, like, cutting so fast between, like, <laughs> her talking, Justice Smith listening, reaction shot of the Psyduck, reaction shot of Pikachu, back to her, back to Justice Smith, like, so fast, like, well, unreasonably fast. Well, what was weird about that whole scene is that he's going up to the apartment building, he, like, feels someone someone's looking at him, and he turns around, and you see Psyduck, and Psyduck, like, walks into the alleyway after being like, oh, he saw me. But then he, like, walks in... <laughs> And walks upstairs, and her and Psyduck are at the top of the stairs. It's like, Psyduck, what the fuck did you just do? How did you get over there? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. As far as I can tell. Teleport? And I think, I know that there were a couple of moments when I saw it in theaters where I noticed that people weren't fully in focus. Like, just like, whoever was AC just was like, just a little bit off and like, the right length of lens you know yeah and it's like i have to wonder like that and i'm pretty sure one of those was in that scene and i have to wonder just like that must have just been a bad day on set like something went wrong there (laughs) like this is a big professional production and i can't imagine those kinds of things just happened in normal circumstances (laughs) yeah something went wrong someone was sick so there was some kind of family emergency (laughs) someone needed to be there and wasn't there (laughs) right exactly (laughs) yeah exactly um the next thing i've written down is just like pikachu's so great in this pikachu's so good in this oh my god and like he's so and you know in general i think the pokemon in this movie function at like an 80 percent capacity in terms of effectiveness they look very good they don't fully like blend into the world though it still feels a little bit weird when people are like interacting with them directly you know yeah and it's not like super distracting but it just it keeps it from being like a fully immersive experience you know i mean yeah um with the exception being pikachu pikachu looks fucking great Like, when he's, like, wet, and they've, like, been doing stuff, and they're, like, running away, and he, like, yeah. gets, like, dirty, and, like, his hair yeah, is, like, Yeah, he's got, like, matted fur. Yeah. Like, they do such a good job. And his little angry eyebrows. It's, yeah. And <laughs> everybody loves his furrowed brow. It's so it's great. so good. Um. <laughs> well, right, kind of getting back to that scene where he's in his dad's apartment. I mean, this movie, we've talked about how much flashbacks can suck and take away from a movie and be stupid and tell the audience something that they like super already know but i feel like this movie uses flashbacks really 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 effectively and like it doesn't seem weird that he's just having these flashbacks because he thinks that his father has just died so he's going through he's going through something really major and then he's having these flashbacks these moments of him as a kid that tell you so much about his relationship with his family, tells you so much about his past, it tells you so much about, like, what he's thinking about right now. Like, they're super effective flashbacks. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I guess. I don't know. I still, I still am of the thinking that, like, everything that we see in those flashbacks, we are told explicitly later in the movie. Later. Like, when, and when Pikachu that's... and Justice Smith have their little heart-to-heart in the fountain, and he just, like, says everything that's on his mind, like, verbatim. He talks about, you know, him not getting on the train and all that stuff, and... Like, I I just, I still can't help but feel like the scene would have felt more elegant if they just held on him and let him act through, like, looking around the room. And we see his response. We see him, like, feeling different things, but we don't have a full context for him. Yeah. And then that scene sort of comes into sharper focus later when we get the full, the full story, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I, like... I liked getting to see the grandma and having his reactions because I think it's it's a movie. It's visual. I liked seeing young Tim. I liked seeing him excited about Pokemon stuff. I liked him being a little kid where he's got that moment. I love this line where he's talking to his grandma and he's like, this is the most important day of my life and mom had to leave. And it's like because he's talking about like a Pokemon championship. Like he gets to be this selfish little kid who likes Pokemon and then right. his mom dies. Like, I don't know. I think those are super important character moments. And I'm okay with it being a little clunky or being, like, you could have just not shown us this. But, it's like, I would have liked to see that, though. Right. I don't know. I guess that's just where we differ in our in our experiences, I yeah. suppose. Um, the, uh, <laughs> I think, to me, like, the biggest laugh I get out of this movie is when uh, the all the apoms start attacking Tim. Yeah. And Ryan Reynolds as Pikachu is just running around going like, Oh my god, he's gonna die! Somebody help! <laughs> like, I, that kills me. I think that's so funny. My favorite like, <laughs> is when he gets attacked by just the first one, and they're trying to figure out what to do. And Pikachu goes, Okay, I'm gonna get a knife. I have a knife. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, <laughs> don't put the knife. knife down. He's like, alright, I'm not gonna use the knife. Knife is a bad idea. <laughs> It's so good. And, like, Ryan Reynolds is really great in this. He's so good in this. I was I was kind of skeptical of that casting decision because I was worried it was just going to be like, oh, he's just going to, like, do his Deadpool Ryan Reynolds shtick all over this movie. Like, okay. But I don't know. I I mean, I guess he is still pretty much just doing that. But it works better than I thought it was going to. Yeah, it works really well. I mean, it's different than Deadpool. It's definitely a lot softer than Deadpool. It, well, I mean, of course. Well, yeah, well, duh, it's Pikachu. But, like, it's more, like, it's more average Joe, you know? Like, right. <laughs> Deadpool might make a joke where he's like, oh, somebody help me. Oh, wait, I have a gun, blam, blam, blam. But with Pikachu, <laughs> it's like, somebody help, I'm a Pikachu. I'm the equivalent of a dog. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> like, it's just, I don't know, it's just a different performance. I don't have thumbs and I need to kill something. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> um... <laughs> The, um, and so, okay, what I wrote down was I just think, just sort of jumping back to my little bit about the way that the Pokemon all look in this movie. Yeah. I said, like, this movie is, like, two years and, like, a few million dollars away from being just, like, a revelation of visual effects, I think. Oh, yeah. Like, I think there's so much of it that's done so well, but it's just, like, not quite as good as it could be, I think. Yeah, it's just not all the way there yet. And not to say that it's bad because it's not right. it's just not where they i don't think it's where they wanted it to be yet. exactly yeah, yeah yeah and i think i think if they had had a little bit more time a little bit more money you know i think they they could have made this like something that's like on par with jungle book of like something I mean, yeah. that's 
just so spectacular you don't even think about the fact that most of the stuff is computer generated yeah. you know i mean you in this movie you just never have that moment where you forget that it's cgi like you just you're exactly. always very aware of the fact that it's cgi yeah no totally oh man jungle book is so good dude yeah, I wanna I wanna revisit Jungle Book and see if it still holds up three yeah. years later. Cause I like I remember when I walked out of that theater being like, "Holy shit! Like yeah. this is as good as computer graphics are ever gonna get." Like that was amazing. Yeah. Um, and then and you I have wonder... Mowgli. <laughs> right. Yeah. And like, yeah, I don't know. And it's just so fascinating. Have you seen those videos that that? I don't remember the name of their channel, but there's the series online of people that they do like a VFX artist react series. Oh yeah. I think it might be Buzzfeed. No, it's not Buzzfeed. It's, um, Corridor Crew is the name and they do a whole bunch of other stuff on their channel that I don't really care about, but they're like, they're special effects artists and they do this series where they basically, they just look at like special effects clips from different movies yeah. and they go really in depth and they talk about like sort of the techniques being used and how they make it happen. There's one where they talk about detective Pikachu. Um, they break down the Sonic the Hedgehog trailer at one point. Oh, yeah. um, but it's, it's so fascinating because you know, they're not just doing the like director commentary surface level stuff where they're like, Oh yeah, that took a lot of time. Yeah, and... well, my friend Mike did that. <laughs> right. Yeah. They like, they are really serious about the fact that it's like, you know, talking about, there's one where they break down that fight scene at the end of Black Panther that looks so bad. Oh, um, yeah. And they talk about exactly why it looks the way it does. They like, this is just one that I'll pull as an example of the kind of stuff they talk about. They talk about like, this scene doesn't just, just production wise, it's not conducive for visual effects because it's a dark tunnel with ambient light with black characters on a black background and the light isn't from a singular source when it comes on because there's those like mag strips that sort yeah. of like come there's in like and flash every once in a while. lights, yeah. Yeah, and it's like they're coming from all directions and everything's washed out. And it's like in terms of visual effects, that's like the perfect storm of like things you don't want to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so they talk about, you know, and they have this talk about how it was also rendered very cheaply because they were running out of time and running out of money for it. Mm-hmm. So, like, there are a lot of things they had to do to cut costs. They talked about how you couldn't see anything, so they just have to take the computer-generated figures and just, like, turn the brightness up on them, literally, oh, so no. you can even see what they're doing. Oh, yeah, no. it's like, it really they really go in-depth on it. It's super interesting. Yeah. Um, but, so that's just the sort of things that they're talking about. And, um... I forgot what my original point was. God damn it. <laughs> like, this movie uh, is just... It's almost there. I, 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 was, I was just talking about Jungle Book, I guess. Like, yeah. now, that I've, now that I've seen those videos and I have, like, a clear understanding of, like, the different techniques and the things that you do for these big, elaborate VFX shots, like, I, I wonder if Jungle Book still holds up or if it will not have aged quite as well as I hope it will three yeah. years later, you know? I mean, it's, I, I know almost nothing about 3D animation and, like, the process of, like, actually doing it, but what I do know is that fur and hair sucks out loud, and so <laughs> right, to have yeah. Detective Pikachu, like, look so good and have, have all these Pokemon, they're all very hairy, even when some of them shouldn't be hairy, I'm looking at you, <laughs> right, Jigglypuff, yeah. like, it's yep. still super mega impressive. Right. And they talk about, specifically with this movie, there's this idea of, um, I believe the phrase is ambient occlusion, which is, like, skin and hair are not totally opaque. Like, light passes 
through them as an object, yeah. you know? Um, and it's it's a technique where you render it so that light sort of passes through. Like, your skin turns sort of pinkish at the edges because there's light coming through it. It doesn't just bounce off, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's, like, a big deal in visual effects. And this movie does a really great job of, like, if you look at Pikachu's tail, there's always, especially if it's, like, really strongly lit from one angle, you see, like, the light coming through the hair. It's not like the yeah. solid block of an object. It's got... That this ambient occlusion, the light passes through it, you know? Yeah. Um, that, that's just one thing that I was thinking about. That's not necessarily any insight of mine. That's just me regurgitating something from a video that I saw. But uh, it's a very good video. Um, I'll, maybe I'll link to it in, this, uh, in the description of this episode. It's uh, Corridor Crew, their VFX Artist React yeah. series. It's super, super insightful, and I really recommend it. That's my second secondary thing. I'll get the third Gone. one at the very end of the video. And what what will that be, Jackson? I'll tell you later. No, I mean, what what it'll be your your third secondary. Oh, it'll be my tertiary thing. Yeah. <laughs> or what? I guess this was my tertiary thing because Detective Pikachu would have been the first thing, so it would have been like my quart quadratic thing. All right. I don't think that's right. <laughs> I don't think that's right either. <laughs> um. <laughs> I think my second favorite Ryan Reynolds Pikachu goof. Is, is when they're trying to get information out of the Mr. Mime, and he just loses it. He's like, stop, <laughs> you stupid mime! It's so good. That's so funny. The, and that scene is great. Like, it's I really, I really love it. The uh, There's a moment that I think is really great where it's like, he's doing that whole gag where he's like pouring gasoline on the Mr. Yeah. Mime, which is really funny in the first place that he like goes so dark with it so fast. Yeah. But like... And then there's this moment where he's, like, trying to guess what's happening again. And Mr. Mime is like, oh, no. He's, like, screaming and whatever. And then Ryan Reynolds, or Pikachu, like, says something. And he's, like, not getting it. And Mr. Mime just, like, stops with him and is like, no, it's like a, like, gas. Yeah. (laughs) He, like, breaks character to talk to Pikachu. Yeah. It's so funny. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that whole scene is just a really... Really yeah. good comedy gag. Yeah. Um, I think that I really like that where they go to the underground, like, fighting ring. I really like mm-hmm. that scene and the idea of that scene. But it's another one of those weird things where they're, they kind of turn into PETA on themselves. Where they're <laughs> right. like, oh, this is a oh, Pokemon. is animals fighting the humanity. It's so evil. Right. And it's like, what? you're a Pokemon movie. <laughs> You should understand the whole thing about Pokemon is that the Pokemon right. like to fight. It's a sport. What's wrong <laughs> right, with yeah. all of you? It's like if baseball was illegal. Right. And yeah, no, and I agree with you. I think I was just sort of distracted in that scene by how horrible them trying to use so much RPG lingo in this movie is. Oh, Yeah. Critical when you open it up hit. and that announcer is like, critical hit, additional damage. And you're like, God damn it. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. That's so dumb. It's, and then like, bad. there's that gag where they're like, okay, Pikachu, you have four moves. They're Thunderball and quick yeah. lightning. And I'm, I know Pokemon moves. I'm just being, yeah. <laughs> I'm he, doing this, this on Here's purpose. your good move, a lightning tackle. It's your only uh, good move. It's the yeah, best but it's one. Like, Okay, if this is, like, a, just a regular world with, like, people in it, it's, like, you wouldn't have, like, four specific moves you could do. Like, that doesn't yeah. make sense. And it's, like, them trying to, like, incorporate weird, like, game mechanics into the canon of the story is yeah. just stupid. And it doesn't, it just, it makes you sound like an old person trying to talk about video games. It's well, horrible. I mean, that's what it is. That's what this exactly, is. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. 
Um, <laughs> um, that said, though, I do like the that whole sequence where it's like Pikachu can't like use his lightning powers. He's trying to fight the Charizard. Yeah. Um, like it's just I don't know. It. I'm gonna turn into the Chris Farley show for a second, but it's okay. just like I just thought it was really good. It was just like it's a fun. I'm trying to. I'm going to let you in on my inner monologue here. I'm just trying to get better about speaking about things that I like in movies rather than just criticizing them all the time. I can't just say that it's good because exactly, we all know yeah. that it's good. <laughs> I mean, I think that the reason that the cage fight, I'm going to call it a cage fight. It's not what it's yeah, called. Yeah, sure. It's but a cage fight. But they're in a cage yeah. and they're fighting. But <laughs> I mean, it just, it is really energetic and the visuals are so good. That's true. And it's, Partially the performance of Ryan Reynolds and also (laughs) the performance of everyone else in the room that just make it, like, so comedically effective. Like, when he's just, like, sitting there and, like, grunting and then Justice goes, hey, bud, what are you doing? It's just, like, (laughs) hilarious. It works super well because you can kind of, they do such a good job of making Charizard intimidating and such a good job of making Pikachu cute that, like, it just, like, creates the exact like chemistry that you want there to be for this fight where he like lays right. down the ground he's like pika pika like they just <laughs> i don't know that's right i forgot about that yeah they just set it up so well that like when it does what it does and charizard is going to kick his ass like it's funny and it's just super effective <laughs> right. you know what i almost wish they would have done though like mm-hmm. i mean obviously it wouldn't make any sense if pikachu just kicked his ass but i i do like in sort of the pokemon mythos this idea of like small and unintimidating Pokemon can often be very powerful. Yeah. And, like, and they allude to the fact that it's, like, this Pikachu, which is the small little mouse guy, beat this big dragon before, like, totally kicked his ass. Yeah. I would have liked to have seen that, to be honest. Yeah. Like, I would have liked to have an action set piece where it's just, like, a Pikachu and a Charizard fighting and the Pikachu wins. I think that would have been really cool. I mean, that's just another problem of this movie is the fact that it is old people old splaining Pokemon to you is that (laughs) (laughs) well because they have that scene where it's like Mewtwo and Pikachu at the very end and there's like there's no way that a Pikachu could beat Mewtwo and it's just like that's not how a Pokemon works yes it totally could or where they're like the best Pokemon number one Mewtwo and it just sounds like something your seven year old cousin would say where it's like oh right, Mewtwo's yeah. the best Pokemon he's the strongest and the fastest and you can make your brain explode so he's the best right. one <laughs> it's like well that's that's objectively not true yeah <laughs> what about Arceus the say. god Pokemon like what are you talking well, about I was gonna say and like fundamental to Pokemon is this like rock paper scissors gameplay you know yeah like, uh, a Mewtwo is technically one of the strongest Pokemon, but just because something is the strongest doesn't mean that something with certain attributes couldn't still take it down, you know? Yeah. Something like, uh, Gengar, which is Not one of my one, favorite though. exploits. Yeah, well, one of my favorite exploits in Pokemon games that I think is so funny is in... I can't remember which game it is. I think it's Fire Red and Leaf Green. The Mewtwo fight, he only knows Psychic-type attacks. Yeah. And... If you have a dark type Pokemon on your team, he just can't do shit to you at all. <laughs> he just cannot hit you with any of his attacks. Wow. Like, period. It's just really funny to me that they didn't think that through They're enough like, oh, before that game came out. 
Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> but um, anyway, that's regardless. Yeah, the point is, it's like rock, paper, scissors gameplay. There's not a Pokemon that's like the best Pokemon. It's yeah. all about what Pokemon you use and what scenarios. And it's all situational. Yeah, Kind of exactly. like life is. Kind of like life is all situational. Yeah. I learned a lot of things from Pokemon. Yeah, welcome There's to a lot the of real lessons. world, Pikachu. <laughs> Um, oh, I also just wanted to say that the Gyarados at the end of that scene looks dope. really great, too. Dope as hell. Looks so good. I wish that we had seen more than, like, three seconds of him. Well, you know what? He was probably very expensive. <laughs> That's really true. No, and, like, I want to point out there's, like, a really fun bit of animation where it's, like, you know, <laughs> it's one of those things that happens in Pokemon that's super gross in real life where water Pokemon just, like, spray water out of their mouths. Yeah. Um... But they make they make it not quite as gross in a lot of these movies. But oh, like yeah. in like Squirtle, he's like spitting it. It's like a spray of water coming out of his mouth. Yeah. But Gyarados, when it's like that volume of water, he's not like spraying it in this concentrated beam. He just sort of opens his mouth and a whole bunch of water like pours out, you know? Yeah. And it's just like that difference of the physicality of the the animation, you know? Oh yeah. Um because that's one of the things that I feel like I kind of take for granted in movies like these is, you know, there's the technical element of taking these characters and making them look like real life. But, like, the animation of them, like, how you're making them move and the, like, acting decisions, quote unquote, you're making with, like, the physicality of all these creatures is really, really important. Oh, yeah. And that's what I think this movie does really, really well, even if it doesn't totally nail the, like, technical yeah elements of it one of those like invisible kind of things that you don't notice it because you're not supposed to notice it it's like yeah right there's just it's like kind of like acting it's like these two pokemon act differently or the water has different animations it's kind of like the fire and how to train your dragon where they talk about how much you spent so much time making different kinds of fire that would make you feel differently about the fire Uh even though it's like not supposed to be noticed it's like that with the water yeah totally and it's like yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. I don't know why I started to continue speaking because I had fully made my point. Uh, the next thing I have written down is my favorite thing about this movie. Is Pikachu is, in the car seat? Um, oh, well, that's also very good. Um, <laughs> but, uh, oh, yeah, there's a big gap in my notes, it looks like. Um, oh, no, not quite. So this is where they go to Bill Nye's office and... Um, not the science guy, the actor Bill Nye, who plays the old guy in this movie. Yeah. Um, but he's, like, this prestigious, like, old-school, like, stage actor. He's got, like, this huge body of work where he's done just all these incredible performances. And hearing him say Pokemon words is my favorite thing in the world. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> this also extends to Ryan Reynolds to a slightly lesser degree. Yeah. Like, hearing the word Flareon come out of Ryan Reynolds' mouth is very funny to me. But Bill Nye especially, like, just this, talking like, about towering acting presence. Yeah, talking about how Mewtwo is the most powerful Pokemon. <laughs> and I'm like, fuck yes. <laughs> this <laughs> is the world more. I want to live in. Yeah. <laughs> she get an audiobook of him just reading the Pokedex. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, this is... I kind of jump around a little bit, too. I, like, don't have anything to say about when they're, like, running around in the, uh, Mewtwo research facility. Yeah. It's just like, yeah. They're doing it. But, like, (laughs) I really... I really like the costuming in this movie. Because it's kind of the same as the visual effects. Like, it's just a little bit over the top. 
Right. But so that it just looks stylized and fun rather than looking stupid or then rather than looking boring and gray in real life. Like when they're sneaking in there and Lucy has like on these like like these like black track pants with like the stripes and she's got like this red jacket and baseball hat. Like it's <laughs> right. totally like Pokemon trainer outfit, but like yeah, it doesn't yeah. look over it's like the heightened top. reality. Yeah. Or the weird or Ditto's human sona that has like the pink hair and like the suit with like right. the pink gloves. Like that's such a Pokemon villain outfit. Yeah. Let's talk about Ditto though. Cause yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we could have just not done that and I would have been At all. more happy with yeah. the movie. All I right, feel like that could have just not been a thing. Yeah. Well, cause it's like, okay, this old guy has a Ditto. That could turn into people because we see it turn into people and like push them around and do stuff. Like they kind right. of already tell us that. Uh, but uh, but why though? They're like, <laughs> oh, it's a genetically modified ditto, so it can like right. turn into people and horrifying stuff like that. But it's <laughs> right. like, why though? <laughs> Uh, oh, you know what? Actually, I think we did eat it because it, they turn out that his son was a ditto the whole time. That's right. They he was an imposter. So I guess it was kind of important, but like, I don't know. The son could have just been a bad guy too. Why did we need to like yeah. make him be held hostage at the end? What was that? Well, because like? it was like they introduce you to old guy McBad dude, and you're like, hey, Pokemon movie. Um, I gotcha. That's the bad guy. I. It's the bad guy. But then right. they try to pull 180 on you where they're like, no, young guy McEvil dude is the bad guy. And you're <laughs> like, oh, really? Are you sure? And then they flip back and they're like, no, old dude was the villain. And you're like, oh, right. Pokemon movie. <laughs> I already knew that. I already figured that out. I like the mild condescension that goes along with calling it Pokemon movie. <laughs> like... <laughs> it's its name. <laughs> But, Mr. Um, Pokemon movie. <laughs> right. And I also just want to say that, like, the plot in this movie is just, it's its hard to follow. It is a little convoluted. And I, I, I'm i trying to figure out precisely why that is, because at the end of the day, the story is not especially complicated. No. Okay, let me, I'm gonna... It's just it, that when they tell you things, you're not, like, in a position listening. to, like... Yeah, you're not, It's they're just, like, ill-timed revelations, I guess. So I guess the plot of it, okay, so they kidnap Mewtwo, they do that, they take <laughs> its DNA because if the Pokemon breathe in it, they go crazy, and when they're crazy, Mewtwo could combine them and their human <laughs> to make a little Pokemon with a human brain. Yeah. No, I the also... gas didn't come from him. The gas is totally unrelated. They no, just it, said they, they this... figured out how to extract his DNA. That's the whole thing. No, but the gas is inconsequential. They're they're using his power to combine the human and the people with information they got from his DNA. Yeah, no, but, but they, they can find only... out that hold on, hold on. They find out that they can only fuse when they're in a crazed state so they just find some gas that makes them go crazy no but the gas is also made out of mewtwo's dna are you super sure yeah because there's all those wires connected to the bubble that he's in and they're like we figured out finally figured out to extract his dna and then they have the r okay i'm gonna look back on it i returned the dvd already so i can't say for certain but someday i'm gonna buy this film on blu-ray just to argue (laughs) with this argue with you about this again because like, okay. i'm pretty sure the r doesn't come from youtube but i'm willing to let it go now okay but then the whole thing with the dad is that they 
they didn't have Mewtwo because in Pokemon movie number one, he escaped. So they were like, okay, we're going to go send Tim's dad to go find it. And then Tim's dad does find it and then figures out that they're doing bad stuff. And Pikachu frees Mewtwo. But then they get in a car accident and the dad dies. But to keep the dad from dying, Mewtwo combines... But, oh wait, hold on. So Yeah, no, it sucks, Adeline, it no, sucks. No, just, so Tim's dad and the Pikachu get fused to make a Pikachu with the with a brain. I get that. Right. But then, but that would only work if Pikachu was in a crazed state, and he wasn't. He wasn't, true. And also, I just want to make a note, I guess we're skipping around a little bit because they don't reveal this to the end. Yeah. But when they show you them getting fused, Mewtwo just comes down and is like, and I'm going to fuse your minds and only... Only when you've righted your wrongs will it be reversed, and when the son returns, so will the father. It's like, what the fuck is that? That doesn't mean anything. Why, why are we this talking about Jesus now? Yeah, it's like, why are this this weird prophecy attached to it? You can't see the future. You're just Mewtwo, and yeah, like, you're he just, just like weighs Mewtwo. out. <laughs> he just like weighs out all the dumb rules to this Pokemon who can't understand him all yep. at once. Yep, all yep, these, yep, like, yep. And it's just like, what the fuck are we even doing here? Yeah. Like these. <laughs> <laughs> I want to, God, I wish I had saved the DVD a little bit longer because I want to, I want to go back and find the verbatim transcript of that sequence because it's so whack. It is it's whack. It's like him giving him this like weirdest, like simultaneously very specific yet also very vague set of criteria for what he should do and what that will mean vis-a-vis him getting turned back into a person eventually. Yeah. So, okay. So, but, uh, Okay. So, fucking, <laughs> so when Mewtwo combines a human and their Pokemon, the human's body is, like, gone. Like, it disappears, and that's why they right. can't find the dad's body. And they do it again at the finale when everybody's getting turned into their Pokemon. Right. But, like, wh- what the fuck is up with that? I guess that's all I have to say. <laughs> why the body starting to disappear? Wait, because it just be, oh, it's like a mind meld, and their body is still there. Like, I just don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah. I don't get it. I was going to say, Bill Nye's body doesn't disappear when he turns well, into Mewtwo. Well, because he's not being fused. He's just controlling Mewtwo with his big brain. I guess that's different. Yeah. The plot of this movie is so fucking dumb. It is dumb. It's the, good, though. I like it. Uh, <laughs> and it's like, what's his end game? Do they even say what his evil plan is? Well, he just, he just, I don't, it, I don't know why he does it. He just thinks I. He just thinks that Pokemon are better than people, so people should be like Pokemon. And in his head, what that means is that Pokemon and people should fuse together to create the ultimate life form. I you guess know what is this what's is. going through his head. Do you know what this is? I'm just not realizing this. What? This is. Oh fuck! Never mind. I'm gonna spoil a movie for you, but I don't want to. Okay. It's exactly like another movie. Adeline, take off your headphones for a second, and I'm going to tell the listening audience what it's exactly like. I'm going to listen to this podcast. (laughs) I guess that's true. Okay. Do you know how Get Out ends? No. Does it... Are they fusing black people and white people to make the ultimate life form? Kind of. So... What? So the whole thing is that the the white people 
are like obsessed with black people's like physical prowess. It's this whole idea of like, oh, black people are great at sports, and oh, black yeah. people are so much tougher and stronger than white people are. But women so what don't they're doing, feel pain, which is a lie. Yeah, exactly. So what they're doing is they're they're taking black people and they're like transplanting their own minds into that black body. So they've got like a white mind and a black body, and that's how they live forever and better themselves but uh. they're basically like killing black people in the process yeah. and that's exactly like detective pikachu yeah there we go same <laughs> it's film exa- it's seriously it's like exactly the same thing and it is really distressing to me yeah. <laughs> anyway sorry jordan um, peele <laughs> sorry that detective pikachu stole the plot of your totally movie totally bit your whole idea yeah <laughs> Um, and you know what I'm just gonna say it did it much better yeah (laughs) (laughs) this one didn't make me feel guilty about being white Jordan (laughs) yeah it made me feel guilty about being a human as opposed to a Pokemon (laughs) the human race Um. (laughs) what about NASCAR (laughs) okay um... so we've dug this hole yeah, anyway, the, um, okay, so then they're at the genetic research zone. And um, they, uh, so the whole, okay, so there's, like, a theme of, like, Pokemon being genetically experimented on, and then we see right. those genetically experimented on Pokemon throughout the whole thing, but, like, what did that have to do with anything? <laughs> yeah. Because Mewtwo I mean, wasn't genetically modified. I guess he was, but they didn't do that. Mewtwo already existed. They just wanted to get right. Mewtwo. They, these aren't the guys who made Mewtwo. Yeah. It's... I mean, look, there's so much weird techno bullshit they spout at you. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure at some point they say something about how they genetically engineered... That, like, the genetic experiments resulted in things being the way that they were. I can't be bothered to remember or care about it, though. Because there's the Greninjas that are made to be super aggressive. Right. And I was going to say, that sort of, like, horror sequence where they're running away from the Greninja is pretty tight. Yeah, I like it a lot. Um, But then there's just the tree turtles that they genetically modified to be real big. Yeah, the Torterra. never comes up again. Right, yeah. There are just just... giant turtles out there now. Yeah. They just all stand up at the same time for no reason and then all sit back down at the same time for no reason and then we all go home. No, just to kill Pikachu. Yeah. Also, I love the the drama of Pikachu being wounded, but, like, he got hit by, like, a little rock. Like, it wasn't even, like, (laughs) anything. It's so... It's so weirdly funny when he gets hit, because he gets hit in, like, the stomach. By, like, by a little rock. rock. It's like America's Funniest Home Videos. It's like this total slapstick moment. Yeah. And, wait, okay, but then it's wait, just like, wait, Pikachu's wait, fucking dead, though. Wait, were they trying to make a joke of, like, he's weak to ground type? Was that what that was? Uh, I don't think so. That was because it was stupid and it didn't work. It was just like, oh, Pikachu got hit by a pebble. He's dead now. And it's like, okay. <laughs> it was just weird how small of a rock he got also, hit by. Also, Mewtwo's going to resurrect him now. All right. <laughs> um, okay. Maybe um, Mewtwo can do. This movie gives me big time 
Pokemon Snap vibes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Because it's just, like, Pokemon just behaving in their, like, natural environment. Especially, like, that sequence with the Bulbasaur, you know? Yeah. Um, okay, and, hold on. I love yeah. the cute noises that Bulbasaur makes, uh, but that's not the Bulbasaur we know and love. The Bulbasaur <laughs> that I know doesn't make cute little sounds. He goes, Bulbasaur! 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 <laughs> He sounds like an adult man. Yeah, and it's terrifying, um, and that's part of the charm. How dare you silence him? <laughs> but yeah, and it's like, God, I will fight every day until the day I die to get a new Pokemon Snap game. It would be so good. I love it so much. Um, but like, what's so great about Pokemon Snap is you get to see all these animals just like chilling. doing their thing and chilling, like in their like natural habitat, you know? Yeah. And that's so like contrary to what Pokemon is in pretty much all other contexts. And it's such a cool and fun idea just visually to be able to be a part of that and just yeah. see it. And it's so satisfying. And this movie like scratches my Pokemon snap itch just a little bit. Just a um, little bit. Because it has that same sort of thing. You have these Pokemon like the Bulbasaur, especially at the beginning when you're seeing everything like running around in the fields and stuff. Yeah. Just like doing their thing and being Pokemon and acting like animals do well it's like honestly like pokemon snap was for you to get to see the pokemon and just like like seeing the pokemon and then all of the games have been like here's like the fighting here's like the sport of pokemon and then like Mm -hmm. the anime was here like here's like the story of pokemon and you get to see the pokemon like in the towns and like the social aspects and like you get the story of pokemon and so like I don't know, those are all, like, super important, like, key elements of enjoying Pokemon. Like, it's a really multifaceted thing. Yeah. And then, this, well, I'm trying to figure out what this movie does. This movie kind of has, it has a little bit of the anime, where it's like, here's some story. It has a little bit of the, just, like, getting to see Pokemon. Right. But then it shits all over the main part, which is the actual sport <laughs> of Pokemon. <laughs> right. And it's like, I don't know, the best I can figure, because Nintendo's been, like, weirdly vocal about not making a Pokemon Snap remake, or, like, sequel or anything. Yeah, um, why? Because, I don't know, the best I can figure It would is, be hard. No, I don't think it's because it would be hard. I think it's just that I don't know if anybody at Nintendo was necessarily super proud of Pokemon Snap, because in reality, it's just kind of a tech demo, you know? Oh, oh definitely. It was, like, one of the first games that came out on the Nintendo 64, and it was just, like, we modeled a whole bunch of Pokemon and animated them with all these short little things, and you just go through this world, and you look at stuff, and we're that's a game that will sell to you, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, well, I mean, honestly, I think it was the first experiment with, like, making Pokemon that weren't just pixel art. It was, like, 3D yeah. Pokemon. Is this even a thing that works? Right. And, like, so because of that, I think that's why they're wary to like bring it up again in the 21st century because i think just as a concept there's not a lot of content in it you know i mean yeah um so i I think think if they were to put it out and like sink some money into it and release it as a game now i think they're just worried that it wouldn't be enough to like satisfy people you know but it's not true we just we love it what i think is so cool about sword and shield is that it's gotten rid of the what's it called when they jump out at you out of the grass what's that mechanic called they haven't said whether or not that's coming back, though. I don't want it to. I <laughs> right. really like that the Pokemon are just, like, in the world, and you can approach them if you want to and not approach them if you don't want to. Like, that's right. so cool. 
the worst part about a Pokemon game is that you never see any goddamn Pokemon unless you're <laughs> right. fighting it. That's the only exactly. time you see any Pokemon. So it's... Yeah. I mean, Sun and Moon did a good job of that too, where they did a good job of just having Pokemon everywhere and having Pokemon that interact with the world around you. Because right. all the other Pokemon games are very separate. It's like, here's the Pokemon part, and here's the walking around boring part. It's like, well, right. you gotta you gotta combine those two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in, in Sword and Shield specifically, they've made a big deal out of this specific area that's called, like, the Wilds, yeah. where you run around and encounter Pokemon. I don't know how the mechanics of that are going to shake out, if, like, yeah. the encounter system is going to be the same everywhere else, but this is, like, just a separate yeah. zone. Well, it's or they might try to pull a move where they're suck. like, you can only catch Pokemon here, that's, this is where you go to catch Pokemon, and then the rest of the world is, like, your battle zone, which... I don't know. I'm that just speculating. Suck. Yeah, I'm just speculating. I don't know what they're going to do. But um, th- what they've done is they've been like, this is the wilds where you can just see Pokemon in the world and encounter them and catch them. And they haven't said whether that's the only place you can do that or if it's the only place like that or if the whole world's going to be like that or whatever. But that's, Let that's where we're at right now. Let us catch Pokemon everywhere. Random encounters suck. They suck so bad. <laughs> right. I don't know. It's just like... I have this weird relationship with the direction that the Pokemon franchise has gone the last few years where they're, like, doing these huge quality of life updates. Yeah. Like, you know, oh, the TMs used to only teach a move to a Pokemon one time and then they went away. And you have to um, use the, like, special HM moves. You have to teach a Pokemon a certain attack in order to, like, go on water or cut down a tree or whatever. Yeah. And they're getting rid of all these stuff because they're just like, this doesn't make the game more fun. It's just a useless obstacle that's frustrating more than it is anything. Yep, 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 But, yep. like, my instinct when I hear that is to be like, well, why are you getting rid of everything? Like, that is part of it for me. Like, it's part of the challenge, you know? And in my head, I'm like, oh, like, it's so lame that they're doing this. But then once I get in there and I'm doing, I'm like, playing the game and feeling it in action i'm just like this is so much better <laughs> like, i mean yeah i am not a diehard pokemon fan i am a very casual pokemon fan i think sun and moon is probably the first pokemon game that i've ever beaten besides sapphire because that was like my childhood pokemon game right but like yeah um tms fucking sucked <laughs> like they were the worst right. It's like, oh, I want to go down this path. I can't. There's a tree here. Okay, uh, I'll teach my guy cut. I learn cut. It's like, do you want to cut this down? It's like, yeah. Uh, you don't have that Pokemon in your party right now. Walk 200 miles to the Pokestop. Switch it out. Walk back here and cut up this dumb tree that gives you some right. berries. Like, it's so dumb. <laughs> yeah. The, um... And, yeah, so... And- so I think this is just going to end up being one of those things, you know, because there will still be like a rarity system, you know, just on how yeah. often they show up in the world, you know, the, just the difference is that you don't have to go through the whole random encounter cutscene every time you see a Pokemon, you know. Yes. Um. So, yeah, my my knee jerk reaction when I hear about it is like, well, but I don't know, like, isn't that kind of part of it? Like the random encounters and seeing the Pokemon and being surprised, but I know when I start playing it and I get into it, I'm going to be like, yeah, this is just better. You get <laughs> you know? to see the Pokemon. You get to see the whites of their eyes. Right. Um, 
Going the, back to okay. Detective Pikachu. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, so, I, yeah, I, I don't know. The, the big Torterra set piece is fun, but it serves little to no purpose for the movie. I mean, I love the parade. I love the idea of the parade. And the fighting that we do do on the balloons is really cool and really fun. And watching the Pikachu balloon explode is a great shot. <laughs> right. But yeah. then they don't do anything else with it. They, like, do yeah. something really cool. And then they move on. And then Mewtwo tries to kill a mouse. And it's like, okay. Yeah, it's so bland. It's so just like, I don't know, just rote, I guess. Yeah. And like, I don't know. And like the idea is there. Like Pikachu v Mewtwo on top of the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Yeah. But all the balloons are spewing purple gas. Like and there's hell yes. Like flammable purple gas that Pikachu's blowing up with his lightning. You're like, fuck yeah. That sounds tight as fuck. But somehow they took that idea and they made it super boring. Yeah. Well, and I don't know how they did it. The first thing that they do is that Pikachu hops off the balloon, gets onto a bird, which is kind of fun, but then he never gets off the bird. And when he does get off the bird, <laughs> right. he goes on top of an office building. And it's like, Pikachu, you are intentionally making this boring. <laughs> right, yeah. Um,. And then when you find out that Tim's dad is inside of Pikachu, they separate the dad and Pikachu, so then we don't get Pikachu dad. What are we even doing here? <laughs> You're saying that you think he should have found out that Pikachu was his dad and he just stayed a Pikachu? Yes. That's what I wanted so badly. <laughs> That's really good. That's, I wanted Pikachu um, dad so bad. But then, now it's just weird. Now it's just Tim and his dad and this weird Pikachu. Like, it's not, it's not like they were combined and then they were separated. It was all just Tim's dad. So now it's Tim and his dad and this weird random Pikachu that's also here. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, the Pikachu was his dad's partner Pokemon. But he's got no connection to Tim. Right, exactly. Yeah, it's still got a connection to Tim's dad, but it doesn't have a connection to Tim himself. Yeah, Um, Detective Pikachu is friends with himself. Great, I'm glad. (laughs) I I also just want to make note that they try to make a Chekhov's gun out of, like, use Volt Tackle. It's your strongest attack. It's like, no, that's dumb. That's stupid. We don't want it. Um, The ending of this scene where he's like, hey, dad, can I stay with you? It it got me. It got me real good with that. (laughs) You liked Ryan Reynolds. Or excuse me, I should rephrase. Do you like Ryan Reynolds' trendy outfit at that last I do. I like his dad outfit. (laughs) His like tapered pants. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I like how they put gray in like his hair and like his beard. Like he's like selling that like trendy dad look. So good. I know. (laughs) Um... Yeah, that's that's kind of the end of. I mean, it's the end of the movie. It's the end of I my mean, notes. Yeah, Any... yeah, it's the end of my thoughts too. I really yeah. liked in the credits where you got like the Pokemon trainer anime drawings of all the characters. I thought that was super fun. Those are fun. Yeah, it's weird that they are seemingly like taking inspiration from the manga yeah. for that rather than like the TV show, which is just an interesting choice. Yeah. Well, they looked like the they looked like Sun and Moon characters in the art style, you know. Yeah. But, you know, and it's like that black and white pencil-y sort of style that that looks like the manga, yeah. And I have to wonder, because, you know, it's especially much more of a thing in Japan than it is in America. But um, I I have to wonder, like, if there were, if they, like, combed through that for source material at any point. Um, Just because I'm seeing the the credits here and it's, like, obviously inspired by the manga. Um, Yeah. And I have to wonder if they were, like, looking for that. Because that's another, like, big story-based 
Pokemon oh, yeah. thing that exists. Or well, I wonder the if they manga were just like is also know. historically brutal. Right, yeah. So they probably did and then thought, no. <laughs> I don't know, Adeline. Pikachu gets hit by a rock in this. And he says hell. <laughs> does he, when does he say hell? When they're in the cage match and he's like, I don't remember how to use my powers. Get me the hell out of here. Oh. <laughs> I didn't, that didn't even register to me when it it's happened. It's really good. But that's really funny. I wanted um, this movie to be PG-13, so... Pikachu could say fuck one time. I wanted yeah. it with all of my heart. <laughs> I was going to say, I think R-rated wouldn't be as funny as you think it would be. I think PG-13 would be the perfect butter Yeah, zone. exactly. I want him to say fuck once. Once, yeah. <laughs> one time. <laughs> if Pikachu, like, I don't know, I just imagine Justice Smith says something stupid. Pikachu's just like, what the fuck are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, he's so good. Let Pikachu <laughs> say fuck once. Once. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Um, do you want to do your secondary thing, or do you want me to do my secondary thing? Uh, you go first. Okay. So, I have gone on record saying that I don't like Henry Jackman very much as a composer on this podcast. Um. We've said a lot of things here today. Yes. Um, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna, this is my report saying that I have seen the error of my ways, and I'm going to publicly eat crow um, on this Live very episode. Live on camera. <laughs> of the podcast. Ever think about the phrase eat crow and yeah, how weird dog, it is? Yeah, dog, it's gross. Um, I think the idea is like crow is like your words, like you're crowing. It's like eating your words, but it just sounds like you're going to eat a bird. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, eat that bird. Eat um, that nasty bird, Jackson. Anyway, my point is, uh, my, my thing this week, is, first of all, the Detective Pikachu soundtrack is very, very good. Also by Henry Jackman. Um, but I listened to the Captain America Winter Soldier soundtrack just all on its own. Um, and it fucking slaps. It's so yeah. good. Uh, and yeah. it's it's weird that you don't even think about it in the movie. Um, there's this video essay that went like viral a while ago talking about soundtracks in Marvel movies. How basically just like how it's a big missed opportunity, how they almost never like reuse themes and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, because people but, love to shit all over Marvel right now for some reason. Yeah. Well, this was even before that. It was like, you know, I think it was a little bit after Age of Ultron came out. Um, but one of the points that they made was they talked about how in the editing and production of Marvel movies, a lot of the times just like it's mixed to sort of devalue the soundtrack. Like they want the soundtrack to be sort of this like wallpaper that everything's set against they don't want it to take an active part in the in the movie you know mm -hmm. and i always you know i would always watch that and i would always be like yeah i don't know if that's totally true though because like you know the guardian soundtrack is really good like the orchestral soundtrack you know yeah. it's got a theme that's memorable same thing for ant-man and i was always like yeah i don't know i kind of see what you're saying but i kind of disagree but now that i've like listened to the winter soldier soundtrack specifically and realized how much it slaps and how much i didn't even really recognize it when i heard it oh, yeah. considering i've seen that movie about three hundred thousand times seen that movie was so like many times. yeah it was just like oh fuck like yeah that's true this movie really is produced to like put as little emphasis on the soundtrack as possible it's so high energy in so many places and it has, there are so many bits that are, like, heavily electronic 
that are literally like just a few notes short of being like a legitimate dubstep drop. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's like you would never like just listening to the music. It has this physical effect on you because it's so like energetic and like bombastic in its own sort of way. And that doesn't but it's it's like totally unfamiliar to you. And that effect that it has on you just on its own doesn't it doesn't have that effect in the context of the movie, which is mm-hmm. so weird and frustrating. Um, but yeah, so this is me basically just saying like that video essay is very good and definitely is, is real now. Um, I don't remember who <laughs> uploaded it, but it was but fake it's... <laughs> before. <laughs> yeah. I didn't believe in it before, so it was wrong, but, <laughs> but now, now I it's do. Right. Um, it's, oh, I'm going to double check. Hold on. Um, okay. Yeah. So it's every frame of painting is the channel. And the video is called The Marvel Symphonic Universe. Um, And it's very good. Although I do want to say, in addition to that, though, is that I think that Marvel has been more conscientious about their scoring lately. Um, Specifically, like, you know, and it's sort of weird that, like, three years ago, the Avengers theme wasn't, like, a a theme that people really knew or could hum, you know? Oh, yeah. But since, like, Infinity War and Endgame, it's, like, blown up in the public consciousness because they put so much specific emphasis on it, you know? Yeah. Um, and the same thing with, like, the Black Panther theme. The score for Black Panther's great. <laughs> what? I'm just thinking of my favorite TikTok of all time. <laughs> this is the kid at Disneyland who's picking up a pigeon with the Avengers theme <laughs> just, behind it. Yeah. But, um, Put that TikTok the Panther... in the video. It's so good. <laughs> okay. But, uh, and the Black Panther theme is really great, too. And they use that multiple times in different movies. And it's really strong. And you hear it. Um, yeah. And in the Endgame soundtrack specifically, they finally have started to call back to other themes from earlier movies a little bit. They use the Ant-Man theme really prominently in one of the scenes in Endgame. That's really cool. Um, so they're making progress. That's for sure. Yeah. Um. But, um, but yeah, my point is, is that the Captain America Winter Soldier soundtrack rules and it definitely holds up when you're just listening to it on its own. Um, I'm going to put a really like surprising piece. It's specifically what I'm thinking about when I think about, or when I said like songs that are like a few notes away from being dubstep, basically. Um, the track is called Fury, um, and it presumably plays at some point when Nick Fury is doing something. I couldn't Maybe. tell you because I don't remember when it was in the movie, but uh, it's super cool and I'm going to put a little bit of it right here. But it's the new the new fun thing to do on Tumblr is to just shit all over Marvel all day about right. how they don't use the characters correctly and how uh, the Russo brothers are hellspawn. And I just, right. it's that's when I really know how you feel. I just want to yell at these people to just read a comic book because guess yeah. what? Characters are characterized ten billion different ways every single day. Yeah. And so every time they get so mad that Clint Barton isn't deaf in the MCU. And I'm like, guys, oh, yeah. that's such a new thing in the comics. 
Like, just no, yeah. freaking read a comic book, you guys. That's one of my favorite things, is that, like, because there was a whole thing, you know, there was this yeah. big comic book story where Clint Barton went deaf, and it was, like, this whole thing. It's this great series of comic books by Matt Fraction, and um, mostly David Aha with a couple of other different artists. Um, but where Hawkeye goes deaf, and he's, like, really struggling to, like, cope with that and learn sign language, do all these things. Really, really great. Yeah. Uh, that comic book series uh, started... In, I believe, the fall of 2012, which is after Avengers came out. Yep, and they were so like, mad at Avengers yeah, for not, not having a death Clint Barton. Um, yeah, that's just one of my favorites. No, yeah, and that's something you see on Twitter a lot is, I feel like I feel like comic books are weirdly the one space in the world where like creators are just as much harassed by left-wing trolls as they are by right-wing trolls. I know. Because, like, uh, there's so many people... Specifically, I talk a lot about Donny Cates, and he's writing Venom right now, which is spectacular. But um, a lot of people just hate that it's not the Venom movie, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and it's one of those things that's, like, the Venom movie was really successful for a lot of reasons, but partially because people really latched on to the, like, homoerotic subtext that they put in that movie. That was, there was so much homoerotic subtext which, in that movie. <laughs> right. Which people really responded to, and that's great. But, like, the... The thing about it is that that's not, like, something they took from the source material, you know? I've been reading Venom since I was a sophomore in high school, consistently. I've gone back, I've read the majority of Venom stories that exist, right? There is few, if any, Venom stories that really have that sort of subtext as any element to them at all. And when they do, it's sort of like a one-liner throwaway that's not applicable to anything at all. Yeah. I mean, Um, they're like buddies sometimes, but they're never like lovers. Yeah. Which is to say, and, and also the idea of Venom, like being a person with a personality has only been a thing for the last like five years in comic books, but that's besides the point. Um, I'm trying to think what my point was here, which Read is not comic to say, books. yeah, which is not to say that like you being excited about gay Venom Eddie Brock stuff isn't valid. Like that's totally cool. You can love that and you can want more of that. That's great. Um, you can even not like Donny Cates' stuff because it's not that. That's a totally valid opinion to hold. But don't um, yell at him about it. Yeah, don't. It, he doesn't have any obligation to make it that way. It has yeah. never been that way before. <laughs> like, and <laughs> I don't know. And people are so pissed about the fact that he's not, that Venom isn't gay enough right now. And it's like. Venom is gayer now than it ever has been, my guy. Like, yeah. <laughs> why? And it's it's and it's still not that gay, but like still, <laughs> like. Yeah. I mean, and it's just I don't know. I, it's there's we talked about this a lot. It's like this weird attitude that creators owe something to the people who are consuming right. what they create. Yeah. And it's just it's bad. It's not good, yeah. y'all. <laughs> and it's especially frustrating in comic books where it's like. This is a serialized medium, and yeah. the creative teams change yeah. almost yearly, depending on what story like you're it, doing. If you don't like it, wait, like, two seconds, and it'll be done. <laughs> right. And it's like every writer writes characters different ways. Sometimes you don't like it, and that's okay. Yeah. They're not evil because you don't like what they wrote. Yeah, it doesn't ruin the things that already exist. If you want yeah. gay venom and you have that gay venom, just continue to enjoy that <laughs> gay venom. Like, right. It's- He's not not gay in the movie just because he's not gay in the comics. <laughs> it's not how it works. Right. 
And like a great example, I am like a bullheaded Spider-Man collector. Like Amazing Spider-Man, I'm always going to get no matter what. Like, you know, that's like part of yeah. part of it for me is like collecting it. I have everything from Amazing Spider-Man 700 when I started fr- until now. I have all those issues. There was a solid like year and a half where Dan Slott was doing a whole bunch of stuff with Peter Parker that I fucking hated. It was this whole story about how he was like a CEO now of his own company and like totally like changing up the formula of how these things worked and the stories weren't really working that well in the first place. And I just, I hated it. I was like counting down the days every day until I was like, just get somebody else on Spider-Man yeah. or Dan Slott, like dude, stop doing this, please. I don't yeah. like it. When do we but, like, when we go back to Spider-Man number one? When are we going to do it? <laughs> right. And it's like, you know, I was upset, obviously, because I didn't like it. And Spider-Man means a lot to me. But it was okay because I knew eventually somebody else was going to write Spider-Man. Yeah. And now and Nick Spencer's ruin- writing Spider-Man. And I like it better. And I'm excited about it. And yeah. now I get to be happy. And I'm sure somebody else is really upset about Nick Spencer's Spider-Man. And that's and it, cool, too. And it didn't ruin the Spider-Man that you already had. You could go <laughs> right. back and read the old Spider-Man comic books that you did like. Like, yeah. every new iteration of a character does not destroy the old iteration. Like, it's, yeah. not, it's not Doctor Who. Because that's the it's, only media that these people watch. It's not yeah. that. It's, it's not, not Harry immoral. Potter. It's not Doctor <laughs> Who. Right. It's not immoral for a writer to write something that you don't like. Exactly. Um, anyway, my thing. <laughs> wait, hold on. I wasn't quite done because I had a point I was going to make at the end of this. Okay. I, I can't remember what it was because we got super distracted. We did. Um, but, um, okay, where was I? Uh, the way Marvel deals with their soundtracks, Winter Soldier soundtrack. Getting better. I did the, the clip. They're getting better. Um. yeah just in general I want to say that there are a lot of really great Marvel soundtracks that don't really get the attention they deserve because of the way that Marvel produces movies um, Spider-Man Homecoming and Far From Home both have really great scores by Michael Giacchino which it's not actually Michael, Michael Giacchino. Giacchino it's Michael Giacchino or it's no how, what is it I've been pronouncing it wrong my entire life is what I've learned recently it's Michael oh. Giacchino is how you oh. say it I don't um, like that as much I know, me neither, but it's okay. Uh, Michael Giacchino does the two Spider-Man movies. Those both have great scores. Ant-Man has great score. Both Guardians of the Galaxy movies have great scores. Everyone's always caught up in, like, the pop songs they use in that movie. But the score for it is also really, really good. It's got a great theme to it. Um, Black Panther, Giacchino obviously. also did the Coco soundtrack. Go listen to that. <laughs> yeah. My point is, is like, give some, give some love to these soundtracks that are very good, even though the movies don't put them front and center. Um... And yeah, most specifically Henry Jackman's Captain America the Winter Soldier soundtrack, which rips way more than I had suspected it would. <laughs> rips my ass apart. <laughs> so Adeline, what's your other thing? Well, it was going to be, okay, real quick, because I brought up Coco, so now I'm just going to talk about Coco for a second. Coco was not advertised as much in the States as it should have been, so it was not super <laughs> popular, but Coco is like the best Pixar movie and everyone can fight me. It's so good. I'd Go say it's like Coco. the fourth best Pixar movie. It's the best one. What's your favorite Pixar movie, Jackson? My top three are Incredibles, yes. Up, and probably Toy Story 1. Coco's better Coco. than all of them. That's not true. It's patently untrue. It's subjective, and I am correct. <laughs> um, anyway, what's your secondary thing? It's based on opinions, and your opinion is wrong. 
Anyway, my thing. I like this. I like this debate tactic you've done, where it's just like, that's just your opinion, and, and also fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> it's because I'm not really debating you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's all a goof, Jackson. Yeah, I just think it's really funny to be like, this is all based on opinion, and that's why I'm right. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, what's your real secondary thing? My real secondary thing is one of my, probably one of my favorite albums all time. Uh, It's Far by Regina Spector. Uh, And this is a pretty, this is probably one of her most popular albums. Uh, It's got songs that are really popular on it, like uh, Two Birds is probably one of her most famous songs of all time. It's got Blue Lips on it also. But uh, what I love about this album so much was, first of all, it has a lot of, like, storytelling qualities to it that I find really refreshing in music. Because I feel like that's a little bit of something that we've lost in music. It's a society! But, like, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like music and song is a very much a storytelling medium. And I feel like as much as we do really do convey stories and we convey emotions through songs really well... Just, like, telling, like, a straight story is something that I feel like not a lot of people do through music anymore, you know? Right. But, yeah, so she's got that kind of, like, folk song kind of, like, story behind it. Like, she has one song, uh, I think it's just called Wallet. Yeah, Wallet. Where it's a song about someone who finds a wallet and, like, picking up all the pieces and going, like, finding out who this person is through going through the contents of their wallet. And it's just a really nice song. Uh, And also what I love about Regina Spector is that all of her songs are very strange musically, but the majority of, like, the song is based around the singing, the vocals, rather than it is the rest of the music. Because I feel like that's another thing that isn't as popular anymore, is having the vocals being, like, what is supporting the entire song and having the beat and the instrumentals, like, kind of just supporting that. As a society, we've gone real into beats and having the music being super weird and be like the foundation of the song and also being all the cool parts of the song. So I think it's really cool to have a person where the vocals are what is holding up the song and what the song is built upon. I think that's really cool. I found a wallet. I found a wallet. Inside were pictures of your small family. You so young, your hair dark brown. You had been born in 1953. Your winter birthday was stamped on the plastic of a license so recently expired. Can I recommend something to you? I was yeah. so uh, poetry. As I Fuck you. <laughs> okay. Is this the album that has, um, I can't remember how it goes. It's the one that goes, like, something about, like, building a monument to us and something something. What? They're probably not then. Whatever. It's, like, her most famous song where she does that high note. Which song is that? I have no idea what you're talking about. I literally can't even remember what the song is called. Hold on. It's the one... I Okay, okay, okay. Okay, okay. No, not podcasts. I want music. <laughs> Damn it, YouTube. Or iTunes. 
Do you think Regina Spector has a podcast where she talks in character as Ron Burgundy? Yeah, she definitely does. Um, oh, I'm thinking of the song Us, which is on a different album, so okay. never mind. Cool. For some reason, I thought that was like her most popular song, but I guess it's not. No, I don't I've know. It's just the that one that song. I know for some reason. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> no, but this album, I just like it a whole lot. That's some biting commentary right there. <laughs> Hot take from Adeline McMurray. <laughs> What's the album called? Uh, it's called Far. Far. By Regina Spector. Spector has a K in it. <laughs> but yeah, and I, you know, uh, as far as like storytelling music, that's something that Ben Folds has always been really good at. Oh, yeah. Um, Like his, his solo stuff specifically, not so much Ben Folds 5, but... He's always, like, he's big into, like, telling stories about characters that are not him. <laughs> like, yeah. just making somebody up and just rolling with it. Yeah. Um, and that's and why they I actually also have worked Pulse. together a few times, too. Oh, yeah, they have that one song together. Yeah. That's got a name. <laughs> I don't remember what it's called. Wow, this is a really good segment. <laughs> yeah. Um... <laughs> <laughs> We're really are nailing it to... over here. Are you ready to start to wrap it up? Yeah. I mean, I would check it out. Half of a star she has a lot of Detective stuff. Pikachu. I just particularly star, really love yeah. this album. Um, uh, this, I is, mean, this is by Mraz on Letterboxd.com. They're all kind of um, slow songs. And they say, he doesn't really have Ryan Reynolds as the resurrected father had like, 10 crews like, energy. High songs and low songs? Or what? Like, kind of <laughs> Which I, don't, <laughs> I don't even know. It's not even... What do you think 10 crews is like? Ted Cruz you know, is not nearly as cool as old dad Ryan yeah. Reynolds. You know, Ted Cruz, he's like the hot dad, you know? No. And he's... Ted Cruz is a potato of a man. I'm yeah. sorry. I don't, I really don't know where this person was coming from. Who do they think Ted Cruz is? <laughs> the Zodiac Killer? That one? It's, I just, I don't know. I couldn't take the movie seriously because, like,. The kid Justice Smith, he just, like, really reminded me of, like, George W. Bush and, like, one half of a star. Yeah. And the girl is just, like, so Hillary Clinton. Like, come on. (laughs) People say that a lot, though. They do say that. That wasn't a good example. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, my name's Jackson McMurray. My name's Allie McMurray. And this has been No Nerds Allowed. There are. Do that one more time? <laughs> uh, only if you want to. Okay, well, that's fine. <laughs> hey, when are we gonna get good at this? <laughs>